Church, we're going to be continuing and actually wrapping up today our, our sermon series that we've been talking about, Peace of Mind, this whole month, and, and I really and truly, I, I hope that you've been blessed by it. It's been some really tough subjects that we had to tackle, but I believe that God has ordained these words so that all of us can find some healing in our lives. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, I want to remind you what it says. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And church, I ask you this morning, are you in perfect peace? Man, because if you're not, you need to learn to trust him more. You need to stay focused on him and be fixated on him. So how many of you this morning can say as you're sitting here in church, you feel like pressure is mounting. I'm talking about pressure is mounting in your life and, and you're feeling like, man, I just can't do it all. I just can't do all of it. And I want to tell you that if you feel like you're about ready to crumble, if you feel like you're about ready to break, you're not alone. <laughs> you definitely are not alone. There are so many people that are hurting right now. I read a survey this past week in 2021. The survey was taken of, in the United States. It was discovered that more of half the, of the people who took the survey feel burned out. It's due to job demands. It's due to demands of the family. Maybe it's demands at school as well as social pressure. So more than half of the people feel as though they're, they're, they're burned out. And that means that maybe even half of you today, you're even flirting with the, the, the burnout in your life. I want you to get something this morning. I want you to understand that burnout isn't just a result of working long hours. A lot of times people will be like, you're going to burn out because you work too much. It's not just because you work too many hours or too long hours. It can be much more than that. According to experts, burnout is this. It's a combination of mental emotional and physical exhaustion from multiple sources and complicated situations. That's where burnout comes around. A counselor friend that I have who's been very helpful to me in this whole series, he told me this, burnout is generally a reflection of our inability simply to balance all of the competing demands that all of us struggle with. You know, it's the social pressure. How many of you feel that, you know, that you have to be there for everyone? You got to show everyone maybe how good your life is on social media so you're constantly promoting your highlights. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And even though you feel like inside you're falling apart, maybe it's financial pressure this morning that, you know, you have this thought process, like I got to pay for all this and, and I got to pay for the kids. Kids are expensive and all the demands that those kids bring in your life. You know, I feel like I'm getting more and more behind financially. You know, maybe it's all the kids' activities, you know, you got to go to, and that's expensive. And it's on and on and on because you know why? We want to be good parents, don't we? Maybe you're dealing with aging parents and the responsibility goes with that. Maybe you got your own health issues. Maybe you got stressful work environments. Then there's all the craziness, the divisions, and the hatred in the world today. And so on top of that, church, on top of that, it's this spiritual guilt. How many of you have ever felt spiritual guilt? You know, like, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm not living up to God's expectations. I'm not even living up to my own expectations in my life. And so sometimes, church, when you put all this together, it's just too much. And what's interesting to me is if, if you hurt something else in your life, you know, if you hurt something else in your life, you know, people kind of look at it differently. 
several years back, I broke my leg playing church softball. And yeah, I know, it was crazy. And most people, as soon as they're instantly have pity for it, oh, oh my goodness, what happened? Well, he's playing church softball, he's rounding first, heading to second. And then you're sorry, and, they're like, and they start giggling, like, oh, really? Can I, can I sign your cast? You know, it's one of those deals right there. They, they don't feel as bad for you. And, and, and so think about that. When you break your arm or you go to work in school, people look at you differently than if you have a breakdown mentally. They do. Because there's a stigma to it sometimes, right, church? You know, people will have that thought process like, aren't you a Christian? Don't you love Jesus? You know, you can't be struggling like that. You shouldn't be struggling that way. A well-meaning person, church, and listen, they really do mean well. They're like, just take it to God. And listen, we should be just taking it to God. That is very good advice, but guess what? Sometimes you just don't want to hear it at that moment. You're not ready to hear that, right? And so someone says, just take it to God, and you're like, I'm going to take you to God if you say it one more time to me. <laughs> right? You, you, you struggle with that. We struggle. It's a very true response, but we're not always feeling that in that moment, right? And so, church, if you're battling with feelings of being lost, if you're battling with feelings of being overwhelmed, I want you to know you are not alone. And today, I want to show you something. I want to show you in Scripture, <clears throat> show you in Scripture a better way. So my prayer today is for every single one of us, this guy all the way to the back, that, that the Holy Spirit would do a work, church, in every single one of our hearts, especially those who are hurting today. That's what I'd like to see. And see, there's a difference between stress and burnout. I want to make this clear before we dig any deeper. Stress is generally short-lived, right? It's a, it's a temporary project. It's a temporary event. You're just stressed for the day, right? <clears throat> you sleep it off and you go. Maybe it's that presentation at work that you're worried about or, or the big test that you've got coming up in school, right? You, you, you're worried about that thing. So, so you're, you're trying to solve a problem. Maybe it's that brand new job, right? Or you're moving. It's a temporary event, church, a problem or a challenge. It stresses you out, but it's temporary. But see, burnout, on the other hand, is different. It's chronic stress. It's never ending. Some of you are experiencing this. It's chronic stress. It's never ending. And so it's when you feel like there's no relief in sight. You can't see the end of it, right? And so when you get to this point where you don't even care anymore, right? Because you don't have anything left inside of you. You got nothing left to give. You feel dead. You feel hopeless on the inside. And you find yourself in one of these two places. Whether you're stressed out or you're flirting with burnout, I want to show you today, church, I want to show you a man of God. Listen to him. He was a man of God in the Old Testament. And it's the prophet Elijah who experienced the very same feelings that maybe you and I are struggling with today. I'll give you a little bit of background about Elijah real quick in case you don't remember or you'd ever really heard of him. Elijah loved the Lord. He really did. He was kind of a powerhouse for God. They'll put it that way. And he battled very real anxiety. He battled depression. He battled exhaustion and burnout. And so remember, remember, church, if you're struggling, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you human. It makes you human. So anyways, this guy, Elijah, right? So he was very close to God. And so when, to give you a little bit of a glimpse of his spiritual resume, so to speak, at one point he, he confronted the evil king Ahab, and he kind of went to the king, and he like told him, let me tell you about yourself today, okay? He, he told him, like, you're sinning against God, and, and listen, that takes enormous courage. 
to go to the king and tell him, you know, this is what it is. And so Elijah prophesied, he said, because of the king's evilness and his sinfulness, a drought would come upon the land for three years. And so the king, of course, didn't like it. How many of you like it when someone comes and tells you about yourself? You know what I'm talking about. They come and tell you, like, here's who you are, here's what you're doing, here's what I don't like, right? They come and tell you about itself, and so instantly, we get, like, offended, we get angry, we're like, oh, I'll get you, (laughs) right? We have that attitude, and so the king decided to throw all his men at Elijah and try to kill him, and the story goes throughout the Bible, Elijah was on the run for three years, church. He was running for his life for three years, and God miraculously provided bread and meat from the ravens, which is wild to me to even think about that, some bird having my food in his mouth and bringing it to me, okay? But God was with him. God confronted, comforted him, I mean. He comforted him. He, he strengthened him. He actually, Elijah, I love this part of the story too, he raised a widow's son from the grave. Church, he stood down 850 false prophets he called fire down from heaven that burned an altar displaying the goodness, displaying the power, and displaying the glory of God. And he did all this with the faith that he had in the Lord. So then one day, King Ahab's wife, Jezebel, she basically tells the king, she's like, honey, you can't get it done, I'm going to. She comes and tells him that, and she said, I'll do the job myself. And so she confronts Elijah, and this is what she says to him. She says, by this time tomorrow, you mark my words, you'll be dead. Imagine if someone came to you and said it to you. You read these words in the Bible, like, oh, okay, she threatened him. Imagine the most powerful man in the land, his wife comes to you and says, ha, guess what? I promise you, tomorrow you're going to be dead. Imagine how you would feel. I want you to think about Elijah for a minute. See, this guy experienced nonstop protection from God. He did. That ever-present provision of God. Listen, the beautiful, the the glorious presence of God. Man, Elijah experienced that, and, and he also experienced the power of God. I mean, this guy stood down 850 men, and then one irritated woman made a threat to him. And that boy fell apart. <laughs> Truth and life in that one, isn't there? <laughs> so I get this. So, so think about this. It's amazing what you can endure, church. Seriously, think about what you can endure. Someone criticizes you. You know, your kids may be causing you some issues. You're dealing with stress at work. You're financially feeling pressure. You know, bad health report. You handle it. You handle it. You handle it. And then all of a sudden, there's this one thing that might make you fall apart. We kind of call it the the straw that breaks the camel's back, right? And sometimes it can be the smallest thing, the smallest thing. And so all the king's wife did was made a threat to him. See, what is wild is we don't see the evidence that she followed through with her threat. When the king did it, the Bible comments on it. that They were hunting him down. There's no evidence. The Bible doesn't speak of it that when Jezebel said, you'll be dead tomorrow. There's no evidence that they actually came after him. But think about this. So the king sent men to kill Elijah because he made a threat, right? He made this threat. And Elijah, what he did is this. He crumbled under one of Satan's greatest tools that he uses against you and I. He absolutely crumbled. 
And it's like us, right? You know, he comes to us, the enemy, and he tells you a lie. But you know what his greatest tactic is? Fear. He loves to make you fearful. You know why? Because when you're afraid, you do stupid stuff. We do. And so Elijah, man, Satan started messing with his head a little bit. And so Elijah's like, you know what? I no longer have what it takes. I can't handle this. And he falls apart. Let's pick up the text today. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you'll turn there with me, if you've got your Bible, not it'll be on the screen. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 through 4, it reads like this. It says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This dude fell apart. He's praying like, Lord, take my life right now. I can't do this. And, and you know what, church? It's the very words that you and I might speak, and maybe you even spoke them this morning, like, I've had enough. I've had enough. I can remember when my mom would say those words at home, growing up as a kid. <laughs> we're all going at it, and my mom would be like, I have had enough. Man, you see people, we were all running different. You can only catch one person if everybody goes in one different direction, Right? But we say that, right, I've had enough. You know, I can't take it anymore. You know, this, this is all I can handle, God. Check out verse 5 with me in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, then he laid down, he slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. So now let's get this under control here, church, in our minds. See, he's stressed and he's burned out. He just gave up. Elijah was just giving up. I can't do it anymore. He's gone through all these horrible things, all these these wild things. God was always with him. God provided for him, comforted him, right? Gave him the boldness and the power that he needed to do what God called him to do. And this one thing happened. He's like, I'm done. Kill me. Lord, I don't don't want to do this anymore. He just gave up. Church, you know how our bodies respond to stress and burnout? It often manifests in three ways. Listen to this. If you're writing stuff down, write this down. This might be you. One of the ways it manifests is this. You're easily fatigued and you're always tired. Easily fatigued and always tired because of the stress you're carrying, you might find yourself constantly tired. I'm talking about low energy. You you might find it really difficult to recover from just normal tasks. It wipes you out. I'm talking about difficulty to sleep at night. You know, your headaches, your body aches. You literally are feeling all this stress in your body. And see, we might even change our eating habits too, right? You know what I'm talking about, that comfort eating. You might go to sugar. That's usually my go-to. Maybe you're abusing alcohol, prescription medication, or other drugs just to cope. That's one of the ways it manifests Physically, the second way it manifests in our lives is mental implications from stress and burnout. Two things happen to the brain, right? There's a little part of your brain called the amygdala. It enlarges, and this is that little part of the brain that God gave this to you, by the way. He gave it to you, and and it alarms us, right, when there is trouble. It's that fight or flight. That's probably the best way that you can hear it. And when we find ourselves consistently stressed, then we're vulnerable to fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. 
And then you have the other part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex of the brain, and what it does is it weakens. The prefrontal is the part that helps you make decisions in your life. That's what that is. And you used to be confident making decisions, and now you can't even make a simple decision in your life, right? You might even battle with a loss of memory. You, you might find it difficult to even focus. That is the mental part of it. And the third part that it manifests is this. It's the emotional it's that loss of motivation, that chronic feel, feeling of like self-doubt. Like I just, I can't do it, right? You feel like a failure. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel isolated. You feel alone, right? Generally miserable. You don't like anything in your life, right? You don't like your job. You can't stand your kids. You don't like your spouse. You can't stand your school. Man, you don't even like your church. I've heard that one before. You don't like your life, and so what you do is you slip into this cynicism. You're cynical about everything or, or even bitterness, church. And listen, if you are a person of faith, here's what happens too. You feel disconnected from God, completely disconnected from God. And sometimes what you do is you even start to blame him. You start blaming him and like, God, how'd you let me get here, Lord? How did you let me get here? You know, I can't take anymore. And so how do we get there, church? Hopefully you're not there of everything I just described. But if you are, and if you're not careful, you might be on your way there. Here's some of the mistakes that Elijah made in the text in 1 Kings, right? Chances are that you are pretty good at making these same mistakes as well. And the first mistake is this. Elijah and, and you and I, what we do is we run ourselves into the ground. We run ourselves on the ground. Go back to verse 3 with me. Elijah was afraid. He fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So you go, 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 right? Elijah did that in verse 3. That's exactly what he was doing. He was afraid, and he ran for his life. I pulled out a map and looked at this. My man covered 104 miles. He didn't jump in a car. That boy was hoofing it. He was walking that thing. He was walking it, and so that's a really big deal. Church, he ran himself into the ground. Man, students, for those of you who are students today, right, you, you got to get good grades, right? you got to live up to everybody's expectations, right? Everybody at school puts pressure and all those things on you. Don't you dare go home and say, preacher said you put too much pressure on me to get good grades. That is not what I'm saying. Your parents are right to tell you to get good grades. And then parents, right? We got to be the perfect parents. And so we, we got to say yes, right? We got to say yes all the time. We, we have to get there. We can't give up. We can't show any weaknesses in our lives. And so that's one of the mistakes Elijah made, and so do we, church. And the second mistake might be this we try to do it all on our own. How many of you are a self made man or a self made woman? I don't need anybody's help. Right? We have that attitude there. First Kings chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. It says, then he lay down, he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him to get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank. And what did he do, church? He lay back down. How many of you have a hard time letting people win? You know what I mean? You, you got that poker face. You got that facade. You got that thing like, I'll let you see this much. Don't you dare get too close to me. Don't you get too close to me, right? We don't want to let other people in. 
You know, we try to make it without asking for anybody's help. I've been like that most of my life. I'm like, I'll do it myself. We can't admit that we're struggling. We can't share it with anybody. So what we do is we go out alone. How many of you don't even let the Lord in on it, even though he knows what's going on in your life? You won't even let him in. You're like, I got this. I got it. I got it. I got it. And then suddenly you're just a heaping mess on the floor. Yeah, you got it. All right. See, we see Elijah do this. He came to Beersheba. And in verse 3 there, it says he left his servant there. See, he had a traveling companion. See, this was his wingman. I'm talking about his most trusted guy, right? It's an intimate friend, and he left him there, and Elijah goes off, keeps hoofing it, right? He's going off to do battle alone, and some of you, are, you're doing that right now. You're trying to go at it alone. You're trying to go at it completely by yourself. You have no support whatsoever, and you have even limited your Christian community. I see so many people COVID was a disaster, wasn't it? And I see so many people who are still isolating themselves from the church. Man, we need to be there for each other. There's got to be a Christian community. Do you realize, church, how you are incredibly vulnerable without other believers surrounding you? The enemy does his best work when you're alone, too. Right? The best work he does, he'll convince you of things that aren't even there. Because you don't have someone being like, hey, wait a minute, let, I'll look at this differently. You're not doing, you're not, let's pray for you right now. You need it, right? You, you don't have anybody doing that for you. You need people praying for you. You need someone to do some life with, church. Stop isolating yourself. And so you run yourself into the ground because you're trying to do it all alone, just like Elijah did. And the third thing is this, church. We tend to dwell on the negative, <laughs> Think about that for a minute, right? There's going to be a lot of good things in your life. I mean, I'm talking about God has done some amazing things in your life, but all you can see is the wrong. You will zero in on that one tiny thing. There could be a hundred things in your life that God has done really good for you, and you zero in on that one thing. Like, well, I ain't got this, right? I don't have that. Man, God is blessing you. Every single person, do you realize how blessed you are? I'm serious. You are so blessed. I've loved to tell my boys all the time, like, man, when you live in a house, you are under the blessings of Mark and Mary Blakely. God pours them on us, and you're getting wet. The minute you walk out of here, that's up to you. You want to be blessed. You live the life that God has called you to. But too many times we don't recognize those blessings are just getting drenching us. God is drenching you with blessings, and all you're doing is focusing on this one thing you don't have. And you know why you usually focus on it? Because you're comparing yourself to everybody else who's around you. They got it. They got it. How come I don't have it? It's not your turn. It's not your turn yet. God gives us what we need when we need it. The definition of fair. Someone told me last week God's not fair. And then he went in this big tirade of everything else everybody else has. I said, the definition of fair, true definition of fair is everybody gets what they need when they need it. That's the definition of fair. Definition of fair is in everybody gets equal. Mm -mm. Everybody gets what they need when they need it. And that's the way it works. 
Let's go back. I got on a trail there, right? First Kings chapter 19. Is that where I'm at? Yeah. We tend to dwell on the negative. In verse 4, he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down on a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. What's he doing right here? He's looking at all the ones that's gone on before him. And he's thinking, like, I thought I would have did better than them. I thought I would have did better. You know, I thought I would have done more. The very same thing that you and I might be doing, church. When you start feeling like a failure, you compare yourself to everybody else's life. And Facebook is horrible for you to be looking at when you're feeling that way. The enemy just keeps pulling you deeper. I'll never be happy like them. I'll I'll never be married. I will never be financially strong. I will never get it all done. I will never be happy. I've had enough, right? See, stress becomes burnout, and then you begin to think it's not worth it anymore. It's not worth it anymore. See, in Elijah's darkest moment, God comes to him. God came to him in the form of an angel, I love that. He came to him in the form of an angel, the very same way that right now as you are sitting here, this time, this very hour, you're sitting here the same way God might come to you today with a word of hope for you if you're feeling this way. Verse 5, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, the angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Do you realize sometimes all you need is a, a, a touch from the presence of God. That's for real. That, that's all you need sometimes. You know, the angel didn't say, hey, loser, why are you hiding under that bush? He, he didn't say that. No, he, he didn't say, you're afraid of Jezebel. What's your problem? Mm-mm. The angel didn't say, you got a prayer problem. The angel didn't say, you know, if you prayed more, you wouldn't be here. The angel didn't say, if you would have sinned less, then you wouldn't be here. I love this. See, the angel was practical. You realize you serve a God that some, he's very practical. Our God is very, very practical. He just said, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Take care of yourself physically, he's saying. So in verse 6, he looked around. He saw the bread was there, right? Saw a jar of water. He ate it. And then he lay down again in church. Sometimes some of the most spiritual things that you can do, listen to me, it's just rest. Sometimes some of the, one of the most spiritual things you can do is just rest. And you know the moment, listen to me, the moment you decide, I just need some rest. You know your spiritual enemy, your enemy, the enemy is going to come and whisper to you. He's going to whisper and you're like, you can't afford to do that right now. He's going to tell you you can't afford to rest. You can't take the time. You are way too important. You have to be there. And then you start to experience that false guilt in your mind. Like, man, I'm letting everybody down. I'm letting everybody down. Listen, don't you dare let that false guilt talk you out of what God has commanded you. He said, you take a Sabbath. He said, you remember the Sabbath, right? You see, it's one of his top 10 commandments. It's in the top 10. God commanded that. And not only do you need to rest, church, here's the other thing. You need to be refilled. You need to be refilled. You're not just tired, but you're empty. 
you're empty. See, when you're tired, you take a nap, you feel better. Some people, 10-minute nap, that'll get you, right? That'll cover you. Some people, you need a four-hour nap. But what you are is empty. See, a nap's not going to fill that. See, when you're depleted, church, you need to be refilled. See, you need to find something to disengage your mind and to start to engage your body. You know, something to, to, to get your mind off of and physical work. Man, the doctor will tell you, go do some physical work, some hard labor. That'll help you. You know, I, I really and truly, this advice was given to me by a counselor oh, several years back. And he said, you need to find something really hard work to do. He said, not your job. He said, just something that's very physical. And, and so I ended up splitting some wood for a guy. I ain't talking about that hydraulic splitter you just stick to law. I'm talking sledge and wedge. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're pounding that thing. And, man, I, I, got, some, I got some really good emotions out beating on those pieces of wood. Now, I didn't want to stack them. I just wanted to split them, Okay. And you get that. You find something to disengage your mind and engage your body. And not only that, church, you also need an encounter with the presence of God. You really do. You need that encounter with the presence of God. Uh, several years in a row there, we went to um, uh, a conference. I've, got, I've been blessed to go to a lot of conferences in this job. But we went several years in a row down to Atlanta, Georgia, for a conference called the Passion Conference. It's for, like, college-age kids. I put a hat on. I slipped right in there. Nobody even knew it. And I tell you what, there was something to be said. 60,000 college-age students in an arena worshiping. Because I'm like, man, I thought all college kids were bad. (laughs) It was amazing. You know, it was truly an encounter with the presence of, of God. But you know what, church? You don't have to go to Atlanta, Georgia to experience the presence of God, right? You, you don't just need knowledge. Listen, you should be reading your word, right? But, but the presence, I'm talking about an encounter with him. You need that. And so after Elijah's long journey to Mount Horeb, you remember that 104 miles that he hoofed it there? He, he was going there, and he, he was trying to get away, and, and he's telling God, you know, I want to die. I want to fast forward you for a moment and, and take you to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. You read all the in-between stuff tonight. And so here he is on the mountain, and he's hanging out in the cave. And listen to what he said in verse 11. It says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. See, church, God wasn't in the extraordinary. He was just in the ordinary. So many times we're looking for that bright lights, big city, right? This really wild and powerful thing. And sometimes God's like, I'm just right. I'm right beside you. Church, he was in the whisper. You realize if you would be still, some of you need, write this down if you're a chatterbox. You realize sometimes if you would just be still and slow down and pay attention, God will speak to you in those ordinary moments. I've got a dear friend in the church. She has been hounding me 
to like kind of do a getaway. And I'm like, man, I don't have time. I can't be going to, I want to go to the mountains or I want to go to the lake. I want to go to the beach. You know, I ain't got time. And Mary would be mad at me if I went away by myself to do that. She'd be jealous. And she said, no, you don't have to do that. She says, go to Highland Town. Go to Highland Town Lake and you just sit there. And so she is hounding me. Literally last week she sent me this text message. Had no idea what I was talking about this Sunday. She said, have you planned that alone trip with God yet? And I'm like, mind your own business. Because <laughs> I felt convicted. I told you, someone tells you about yourself, you know what your first reaction is. Listen, church, you don't have to have that big, powerful moment. It doesn't have to be the grandeur and these mighty, amazing things. See, when you're changing diapers, man, when you're, changing, when you're washing dishes, when you are trying, to, when you're trying really hard to love that person at work that you have a hard time loving, when you're trying to pay your bills, when you're driving from place to place, when you're doing those things, listen, if you think about the goodness of God, do you realize he's going to speak to you? He will speak to you. He will whisper to you. When you are stressed out, overcome with anxiety, I'm talking about on the edge of burnout. Some of you, you're right there right now. Why does God's voice seem so quiet to us? Why does he just whisper? Church, I want to tell you why he whispers. He whispers because he's so close. He's so close. When I was a kid growing up, me and my brother used to love to do this. People, I'd say, hey, come here, I got to tell you a secret. You get real close, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Scared to snot right out of them. But you realize, God don't have to yell in your ear. He's right there. He, he can whisper to you. He will whisper to you. And he will tell you exactly what I want. He whispers because he's close. See, Elijah was in the darkness of the cave, and that whisper drew him right out, church. If you are in the darkness this morning, if you are in the darkness and despair in, in your life, listen. He, he's whispering to you, and he's trying to draw you out of that darkness. He's trying to draw you out of that despair. God tells us in his word, he says this. He said, I am close to the brokenhearted. Remember, I read you that last week. I'm close to the brokenhearted. He said that he saves those who are crushed. You heard that two weeks ago. And he also tells us this. I will never, ever, ever leave you nor forsake you. Amen. He's not going to dump you off on the side of the road at all. He is there for you. And so as I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, I want to share a verse with you. And I love this verse. It says this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. It says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. I got one of those fancy Bibles, church, that's got like four versions all on one page. I'm not a fan of this next version I'm going to read you, but this spoke to me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 from the Message Bible. I'm not a big fan of it, but this one really just grabbed me. It says this. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. 
and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Church, I hope that speaks to you this morning. That your heavenly father is reaching out to you. And he's telling you, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be burned out. You don't have to be stressed beyond belief. Listen to me. If you are in high school, if you are in middle school, if you are a senior citizen, I'm talking that big spread in between that. This word is for you this morning. God does not want you to live a life that way. I didn't say he'll wipe away all the circumstances, but he will strengthen you and he will hold you up, church. He will prop you up, but you gotta call upon him for it. So I ask you this question, church, how many of you need some rest? I ain't talking about a quick nap on a Sunday afternoon. I'm talking about how many of you need some rest because you're burned out. You're stressed, you're feeling empty. You feel like there's no hope for your future. God promises you a future. In Jeremiah chapter 29, he says to give you a hope and a future. He says he wants to give both of them to you, not just one. He says you get the whole package, but you call upon me and come and pray to me, he says. And he says, I will listen to you. He says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. He made a declaration. It wasn't a statement. It was a declaration. And that's for everybody here. So how many of you this morning need some rest? And I guess my other question for you this morning is how many of you need to hear from God? Listen, church, he's right there. He's whispering to you. He's telling you, I'm I'm beside you. I got you. We're going to do this together. Maybe the reason you can't hear him this morning is because you have no relationship with him whatsoever. Listen, I ain't talking about coming to church. You need to be in church. You need to learn. I'm talking about a relationship. I go home every night. If I don't pay attention to my wife and spend time with her, we have no relationship. I'm in my house, but we don't have a relationship. And see, your heavenly father wants the same with you. He does want you to be in church, but he wants a relationship with you. And maybe the reason you can't hear his whisper is because you have no relationship with him. I talked to a lady about three years ago, I think it was, that was before COVID, doesn't matter when it was. She went to church her whole life and had no relationship with Jesus Christ. She thought being at church was just good enough. Man, it opened her eyes when we showed her what God had for her. Maybe this morning it's the same thing for you. You recognize I need a relationship. And listen, here's how it works, church. You humble yourself before him. You lay it all bare and say, here's who I am. He already knows who you are. Here's who I am. Here's what I've done. Here's the mess that I'm in right now. Here's where I'm struggling, Lord. And guess what? He will take all those pieces. He will pick them up and he will create something beautiful from the broken pieces. But you got to give it to him. This morning, if that's for you, I want to encourage you. You come forward. We got people up here to pray with you. If you know you don't have Christ in your life as your Lord and your Savior, let today be the day. And for all of you believers who are here, that you're struggling with stress, you're struggling with burnout, and you're recognizing, like, preacher, that was for me. 
Maybe you need to calm down, you need to rest, and you need to think about the goodness of the Lord in your life. And then you'll start to hear his whisper. You'll hear him calling you and reminding you, here's who I am, and here's what I've done for you. So how about it, church? Let's stand again and let's sing, but I really and truly want to encourage you to respond this morning.